Welcome to Notes from the Field, brought to you by Noeo Science. Hey, Will, how Gordon, are you doing? How are you, sir? I'm doing well. Excellent. It's good to be here with you. Even though both of us maybe have a voice that's an octave lower. Yeah. But uh, I think people will. You can still probably recognize us. Now we have a radio voice. <laughs> That's right. Got a real radio voice. <laughs> hey, what are we doing today? We're talking well, about yeah. something. I like yeah. this topic that you're This topic suggested. is uh, what is our favorite thing to do in the outdoors? Mm. I think many of you could guess. Uh, if you've listened to most of our episodes, you know that uh, Will is a dyed-in-the-wool birder. Yeah. He loves birds. True. So do I. I mean, they're God's creatures and birds are real cool. And if, if you- The coolest. Well, let's not go there. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, I got to try not to laugh today. Yeah. And, and, and Gordon. You know, and I, I love herps. Yeah. And if you don't know what a herp is, well, look it up. No. Uh, <laughs> herps are reptiles and amphibians. Terrestrial and, scaly uh, creatures. And, and I'll have nice things to say about birds too. But yeah. what we want to do is just talk about the things that wind our clock the most about what, what activity do we like to do personally, yeah. Will and me, yeah. in, the out, in the great outdoors. In the outdoors. And that, I mean, depending on how much we can milk our favorite, uh, you know, and that takes up uh, enough time, but if, if we run out of things to say, we can go to our second yeah. favorite thing. Yeah. Um, so. I mean, uh, there's so much to do. Oh, I know. We're so spoiled. I know. We've and been given I, such and, a glorious and, and, place. I know. It's, to spend our time. It, but since this is notes for the field, yeah. we're going to maybe leave off jet skiing. Okay. And, <laughs> okay. Yeah. That sounds good. Uh, or, or various, um, you know, Outdoor sports that just scintillate your senses in yeah. a, in a uh, more more of an uh, adrenaline way. Yeah, an adrenaline way. We're yeah. we're we're going more for the uh, subdued uh, activities. Uh, no, and nothing wrong with sub. those other things, you know, rock climbing. Yeah, um, and some of them can, can be can be combined. Uh, I've done bird watching and snowboarding at the same time. Oh, really? Especially on the ski lift uh, up or hiking. See, herping all automatically goes with hiking. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, and hiking, actually hiking. Just like birding go, goes with driving. And yeah, Just birding kidding. goes with driving um, <laughs> and hiking goes with birding and herping goes with hiking. Uh, it's, birding. Oh, am I getting mixed up? Hiking goes with pretty much anything that where you're looking for creatures. Yeah, um, absolutely. And so, and driving, you think driving just for, you know, you can see, but. Driving is uh, something that you can do. I don't know if we talked about road cruising before, did we? Uh, I have. Uh, uh, I don't a, know if we've talked about it. Yeah, I, I don't know. But, uh, you know, we need to listen to our own podcast, man, <laughs> before we start doing reruns and just renaming them. Um, we, we could definitely fall prey to that. Yeah. Well, let's start. Let's, can I jump, jump yeah. right in? You know, there's you kind jump of a, right in. it's, uh, you know, some hobbies take a while to develop. Um, and I would say that birding for me, it took a while to develop and I can kind of think back to some, um, some poignant moments or just periods of time where, where the hobby just became more and more compelling and interesting and, and enjoyable. 
Um, I remember a time in my in my parents have a a nice little plot of land in the foothills of the Appalachians, and there's the mixed eastern deciduous forest, and there's some some ponds there, and they were before a lot of the development changed there. There was a lot of contiguous a forest connected to their property. Mm-hmm. And so I'd go back there and just explore and eventually brought my binoculars with me and just kind of watched at the bird feeder before. But I remember one summer in particular watching this bird and I just became, I had to figure out what this bird was. It was kind of the first, first problem bird where I didn't know what it was right away, mm-hmm. which there were lots of those because I hadn't seen a lot of birds then. And, but I really wanted to know what it was and it was, it was flummoxing me and I was pouring through my uh, it was probably Robin's um, uh, guide. Uh, to, oh, yeah. um, Robin's? I think it's Robin's. Maybe it wasn't Robin's. Golden Guide? Golden, it was a Golden Guide. Golden That's Guide. Those, those I, for kids. Yeah. You know. No, it wasn't for kids. It was more of a true field guide, but okay. it, was, um, it wasn't a Golden Guide. It was the one before Tori Peterson that was most okay. popular. Okay. Anyway, this greenish, yellowish bird. It was summertime. There was some black on the wings and the tail. And I, I finally figured I was a female of some type of bird, but I could not get to it. And then right. finally, I heard this vocalization. I was out there for hours watching this one. Bird. Now, how do you know from the, I mean, without all about birds, Cornell, how do you know the bird from vocalization? I didn't know the vocalization oh, okay. that I heard, but I heard a vocalization. Okay. And I hadn't heard it yet while I was watching this female. And so I heard a vocalization. I turned, put my binoculars in the general direction where I saw movement. And there before my eyes was a male scarlet tanager. And my jaw just dropped. Wow. That's the female I've been watching the whole time was the female scarlet tanager. And the male appeared. And they interacted. And it was the most magical thing. Yeah. Because uh, I I stayed long enough that the good Lord revealed to me Mm -hmm. what was actually happening here. And it was- Because often, you know, the females are often drab. Yeah. Uh, Compared to the males, and so that birding, and, and, birding and, definitely got its hooks in me. Yeah, during that moment. How old were you? I was probably nineteen. Oh, okay. Yeah. So this was uh, I. I didn't really do much true birding. I watched birds at the bird feeder, but then got into it in college days. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Mine. My plunge into herping was very gradual too. Is you know when you're a kid, you like to catch frogs and toads and stuff like that, and it wasn't super scientific. I had a golden guide, reptiles and amphibians, but often when, you know, I was just in grade school and so it was more just fun to catch something. Yeah. And, you know, I knew it was a toad, but I didn't, you know, know what, it was in Michigan. So taking a shortcut to school and going down this, in this gully behind people's houses, we were taking a shortcut and the gully just felt like you're out in the middle of the wilderness. Yeah. You know, trees, a deep gully and manholes. And we went down there and there was just toads everywhere. And that just sort of, this is neat. And then later on, when I was in high school, it, there was more of an, a desire to say, I need to know what this is. It's not satisfying to me to just say, oh, that's a frog or or, that's a toad. Yeah. There are more than one kind, you know, there's lots of them. And, um, and as I went into, I can't remember the exact progression, but the older I got and the more knowledgeable I got, especially in college when I realized, okay, there's, there's a lot of diversity out there. And then it became much more of a focused effort to say, okay, I'm going to get field guides and I'm going to try to identify and find out what are the field marks. Yeah. Just like birds, 
you know, uh, what, what is the, what are the, what are the key identifying features on yeah. the birds? You know, what feathers, you know, the shape, the, what is it? Jizz? Uh, yeah, the jizz. Uh, yeah. General impression, size Sizes, and shape. Yep. yep. G-I-S-S. -S. Yeah. I learned that from you. <laughs> um, but same for any creature, you know, the color patterns. And sometimes it's very subtle. You know, uh, it would take a long time for me to sort out, you know, there's certain birds, for example, that have really clear cut field marks. Right. Whether it's red wing, blackbird, cardinal, blue jay, uh, magpie, things that are just like pow. Right. But then all those little brown jobs. Yeah. A little group of sparrows or a little group of small sandpipers. Yeah. They're hard. And, and yeah, they're hard. There are a few representatives of those groups that have real key markings, yeah. like a, a house sparrow, a white-crowned sparrow. Yep. But uh, a lot of them, you know, little brown jobs, and you're just like, ah, and then you're looking at the field guide, and it's pointing to some very obscure feature, and you're like, <laughs> oh, this is, hard. you know. Yeah. Um, so, the, so, so there's enough of a challenge there yeah, that it's I, enticing. Yeah, right? it is. Yeah. And so, again... For our listeners out there, we're, uh, we're just telling you what we like. Um, this is not uh, to, to bind your conscience say, well, you know, everybody has to. If you're truly that. sanctified, you'll become a burger, <laughs> right? <laughs> you know, some people really are content uh, for their whole life to just say, that's a bird. Yeah. And that's yeah. a, you know, that's a creepy crawly thing right a rather bug, a bug you know and they're not even worried about whether they got it into the, the right class yeah yeah <laughs> is as shocking a, as that is might that be a lizard or a salamander <laughs> it's like well i don't know it's got a tail and four legs and doesn't have any fur <laughs> or feathers so it's something, it's a creepy it's crawly a creeping thing um so it's not a it's not a livestock it's but a... for for you know, people that are biologically oriented uh, to to find out what it is, there's just really satisfying. It's, it is. It's a fun um, puzzle, and, and and it doesn't have to be for me. Herps. It it can be birds. Yeah. The reason I like one of the reasons I think it's just sort of innate. Uh, I like to see things up close, and I like to hold things. Yeah. And you know, uh, holding is not out of the question for birding. You can do them. You know, but then you have to get sort of really almost professional right. where you're setting up mist nets right. and, and then you're handling birds and giving them heart attacks and uh, right right exactly <laughs> right if you're handing a bird it's usually because it's dead yeah unless you're actually yeah, doing they're some for, research or, yeah. and if there's if they stay alive it's like wow <laughs> they're uh, but anyway i just like to you know get, get up close i'm nearsighted and of course, I get glasses and you can you can see things from afar and through binoculars yeah. but for me I like birding. We're learning to bird. We've got binoculars and I, I, my wife and I have feeders out there and we see birds and we want to identify them. And, uh, but it, for me, it's just, uh, it's just not as, you know, to, to grab a snake or grab a turtle or grab a lizard and get it up close and see it is just, um, uh, for me, uh, and I'm not, I'm not, uh, I'm not, um, at all casting any kind of <laughs> shade on birdie. It's just what I'm- Birds are uh, casting what I shade like. on us. Yeah. The, uh, for me, birding, uh, often the bird, when you see it, it's 
it's not lit up nicely like the field guide picture. So you yeah. can't always see the colors. Yep. And it's zip, it's flitting away. Yeah. So you get this fleeting glance. Yeah. Uh, fleeting glance of this little bird flitting away. And it's like, you got to be really, and that's more of a challenge. Like, yeah. can you identify that little creature that's just bounding away yeah, uh, no, it's on a, the wing? I like the way you describe it. It's just a different type of phenomenon. It's yeah. a little bit different experience. Yeah. Another thing that happened along the way that made birding even more compelling is I just kind of fell in with a bunch of guys who were just absolutely avid birders in college. Uh, my college advisor, um, I didn't even know he was a birder until my junior year when I became a really, really intense birder and a group of guys that were taking ornithology together. And we would go out um, multiple mornings a week before class. And uh, we've, we started focusing our efforts on certain habitats and certain mm -hmm. times of year. Right. right. And so when can you maximize the types of birds you can see? Well, spring migration is uh, spring and fall migration are two times. And mm -hmm. then of course the breeding season. And so we would go out during spring migration, four or five of us. Oh, all right. Tomorrow morning we're meeting at, at 4.30 down at the Wisconsin River near the wastewater treatment plant. Right. And we'd meet there and we'd hike and we'd bird watch. And then we'd go to a greasy diner uh -huh. uh, before oh, heading yeah. back to class. And there, so there was a camaraderie and a kind of community that was all interested in the same thing. And that made it really fun. Mm -hmm. And so we would, we'd be motivated to study up on the habitat we were in. We, we were motivated to study up on the key features of the birds we might see that day. Mm -hmm. uh, so that, and there was maybe a little bit of kind of informal competition yeah. of naming that, naming, if you right. see a bird, who was able we to accurately name, name it, it first. first? Yeah, and I usually was slower to pull the trigger, right? Um, because I, you, you know, didn't want to, you know, I shoot did, and miss. Yeah, right. I right. yeah. wanted to be sure of that bird before I named yeah. it. Yeah, um, but it was it was always it was always yeah. a fun type of camaraderie there. You know, one of the places where I got serious about herping was in Virginia. We were um, I was a faculty member at Liberty University, and uh, I. You know, it was unusual because our biology department was really heavily loaded with people that liked herps. It was just weird. We had about a little over 10 biology professors and more than half of them. That's a good sized well, biology department. Yeah. Um, and there was a couple chemists. Well, it was biology <laughs> chemistry. So we had a couple, two or three chemists. And then uh, we had about 10 or so biologists. It's a lot more now, but about more than half of them really, really liked reptiles and amphibians. And uh, there was an, uh, a secular society in Virginia called the Virginia Herpetological Society. That's how I know it's your car when I see yeah, that bumper sticker. That bumper sticker, which I don't have anymore because yeah, it was I the car that. Got to get uh, a new one. We, yeah, we lost that car. But anyway, Virginia Herp Society, and they would have sometimes one or two field meetings. Sometimes spring, sometimes uh, one in the spring, one in the summer. And we'd go out to some county in Virginia and just survey it. And it would be from amateurs to professionals to kids to adults, just people that wanted to go out and look. And there was just something really fun. It was, you're enjoying the outdoors. Before we'd go on these meetings, you know, uh, we, would, we would break up into, well, before you would, just like you said, you'd want to bone up on your ID. Yeah. So you'd be, th I would be thumbing through my Peterson's field guide, yeah. looking at all of the herps 
in Virginia, particularly where we were going, so that I could, when I was in my group and we found and flipped a rock or flipped a log, flipped a board, yeah. found a snake or something, I'd want to, you know, ID it right away. And it was just, so we'd, uh, beforehand, we'd be practicing our common names, our scientific names. And, um, and this was just, uh, this is when herping became just really enjoyable for me. And it's really hard to even describe that joy. Um, yeah. Just for me going out, I've, I've sometimes said, you know, this is before Steve Irwin uh, died. You know, I was thinking it'd be a blast to go out with Steve Irwin oh, and yeah. go herping, you know. My younger kids uh, have just discovered yeah, him. TV or no, uh, I would just, oh, that would yeah. have been really fun. And yeah, just catching it. Uh, I don't know. It was probably a flood of endorphins when you. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, absolutely. You see it, you catch it. It's in the wild. There's something yeah. about a wild animal, uh, whether it's dangerous or not, yeah. to just, it's mysterious because you don't know its home range, what it's been, where it's eaten, yeah. what, what uh, interactions it's had with predators or prey and yeah it's just this wild creature and you're just uh you've you're just one snapshot in that creature's life yeah. and you you uh pick it up you identify it you then photograph it and then show those people around you but that's that's the thing that gives me uh the most joy yeah. um but it doesn't really herps particularly but it can be birds it can be i remember when we first met and you we went out, I think we already talked about that, our first, when we first met. Yeah, the beginning of your yeah, conversion to or Yeah, yeah, and you took me birding down to Lewiston at the levee, and I remember uh, very clearly with your spotting scope uh, teaching me the difference between the Barrow's golden eye oh, wow. and the common oh, that's golden neat. eye. Yeah, I have a good and, memory. Uh, yeah, it was just really clear, the field marks there. Yeah, and so there's, uh, there's, there's an element of of not being able to predict what you're going to see or what you're going to run across in that element of the hunt. Right. And those, that just makes it special. I'd say, I'd say birding or herping is very much like hunting in that you're looking, you're looking intently for something, you're mm -hmm. focused on something and trying to find it. How you interact with, with it is going to differ between hunting and herping and birding. But I would right. say there's some similar elements there. Right. Yeah. And, and it's and always it's... just a joy when you always, you must always see something. Yeah. Maybe not a new species, but you see a little bitter piece that's a little bit different than every other time you've been out. The other thing that I think uh, is worth noting is that when you go out and if you're going, ooh, these guys sound excited, I'm going to try and, and go out and look and uh, just want to give you a fair warning. A lot, you do find stuff, but as far as uh, herping goes, you can flip as many as 50 logs before. Or finding something. Yeah. yeah. So it's not at all like the nature documentary where yeah. everything, um, obviously in the nature doc, they cut all the boring stuff out yeah. because nobody would watch. Watch an hour of someone flipping watch, logs. Yeah. Watch. <laughs> yeah. And only one minute of it is the fine. Um, no, that wouldn't It'd fly. be a different experience if that TV was like fly. that. <laughs> but so you got to realize that a lot of it is just uh, perseverance of, yeah. of looking, whether it's birding or herping. The nice thing about, I just want to segue for those of you who like plants, you know, whether it's trees or wildflowers, 
uh, get a good field guide for those, whether it's Peterson's or some other regional guide. And Peterson's can be regional where it focuses on one part of the United States or wherever you're at. Uh, if we have international lizard, uh, lizards, international <laughs> listeners. That knows for my, I call my sister lizard. She's yeah. Liz. <laughs> Maybe there's some international yeah. ones out there. So just no, keep in good. mind that's that good. there's uh, that's sometimes there's a lot of uh, perseverance of looking, looking, looking. But in bot, the nice thing about botany and of plants is that you're never skunked. Yeah. You, uh, you might not find plants. an animal, you might not find a bird, you might not find a lizard or yeah. a snake, but you're constantly uh, exposed to all sorts of plants. Yeah. So it's, it's sort of nice to have plants as a, for those of you who really like animals, it's nice to have plants be sort of a backup uh -huh. to break the boredom. And uh, say, gee, I'm I'm not finding anything, but look at all these plants around me. Yeah, and start identifying uh, wildflowers. Uh, start identifying trees. Mm -hmm. It's uh, oh, the other thing besides the joy of catching, the joy of identifying, the joy of telling, you know, showing somebody else what you got is, I think you alluded to this is the actual spotting it mm. because sometimes. It's hard to spot, and you have to have a keen eye, a keen search image. I remember taking my wife out to my box turtle site, and she was walking out through the forest with me looking for box turtles, and I said, okay, I got one, and it was like three or four feet in front of us, and, I, and she said, where? And I said, right in front of us, and she's like, I don't see it. <laughs> yeah. And because they're so camouflaged yeah. with their uh, mottled shell on the dappled leaf litter, you really, you know, it's fun to be able to spot something that a lot of other people haven't tuned their eye to yet. Yeah. Yeah. The, the other thing that I love along the same line of plants, one of the things I love to do outside is to garden. Mm -hmm. I just, I love... I love the whole process of, of planting the seeds in the, in the little pots in the wintertime and get the light set up inside. I love the transplanting. I love watching them succeed. Uh, I love watering. The whole process of gardening mm -hmm. is really, and, and it can be kind of an ecological focus too. You mm -hmm. always are going to see insects and other creatures yeah. uh, when you're gardening, but it's fun to get to know plants kind of similar maybe in a little way a little bit to the herping in in that you're holding them you're touching touching the the plants you're a little bit more up close and personal with them mm -hmm. um and and i it's fun seeing how they develop over time just watching yeah. those plants mature mm -hmm. it's very satisfying especially the germination and you see the cotyledons and uh yeah. the seed leaves yeah it's it is that is wonderful I'm trying to think of uh Oh, I've kind of left off insects. Insects are kind of like plants. They're everywhere. Yeah. So again, uh, I'm really glad I had entomology for my master's because um, learning about 200 different families. Yeah. It's a lot of creatures. It's, it's a lot of, and that's family level. So that means there can be tens to hundreds, if not thousands of species per family. Yeah. So we never really even messed with learning species. There's so, so many. And um, it's just really nice. The other fun thing is once you get good at it, you become sort of the uh, local Linnaeus. People come to you and say, 
I saw this thing in my yard and they may snap a picture of it and they'll send it to you. Yeah. And, uh, you know, hopefully you can identify it. Usually you can because most people are taking pictures and coming to me with a comp pretty common thing. And you, and hopefully it's an insect or, uh, some kind of herp yeah. that I can shine on. But, yeah. uh, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's a delight. And, um, don't feel bad again if you are, aren't inclined to to identify. But the nice thing is that this proclivity can also be can be sometimes innate, but sometimes taught. So if if the parent, you know, raising kids, particularly those that are uh, that like the outdoors, if if uh, you might not know much, but if you just load up with field guides and show try to pique your kid's interest in trying to identify some of the things. It's a, it's a great, it's a great way to, you know, cultivate as if, if the seed is there yeah. in your kid and he's a, he is a prospective or possible biologist. You want to kind of feed that, feed that flame by uh, giving him or her the right, the right responses of, oh, that's great. Rather than, Get that thing out of here. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, um, right? You don't want to squelch your kid's curiosity. So try to cultivate that uh, innate interest, especially if it's there. Yeah. And unstructured, unstructured time in the outdoors is, is just, uh, you can't mm -hmm. go wrong most of the time. It's just opportunities for exploring, opportunities for, for you know, for building forts out there, going down the gully like Gordon was talking about, or uh, mm -hmm. Anywhere, any, and, and one kind of a side note here on, on birding and, and kind of maximizing being able to see, um, more, more species is going to a place where there's water, you know, a lake edge is especially good or a pond or anything where there's kind of an edge between two habitats, habitats, excuse me, uh, where you have kind of a, a woodland that butts up against a field, mm -hmm. anything that's going to give you a vantage point for seeing into a different part of the habitat, uh, are good places to, um, good places yeah. to explore and, and yeah. kind of keep, keep and sometimes you can, um, place things that kind of make for micro habitats, like put out, I mean, you don't want to trash your place out, but a, a nice piece of, uh, old plywood or some sheet metal that in some wild corner of your lot is a great place to attract snakes and so you can flip boards and often find i i've placed a couple of sheets of uh particle board on my property and i in the summertime i check them to see if there's a snake under them and uh it's it's uh just a it's a good way to draw them in yeah you do you ever uh did you ever lure any in that way yeah yeah see some yeah, yeah. nice yeah it's usually the the uh wandering garter snake yep but it uh, will uh to end this off, I know we've done our, you know, favorite in the past on the po podcast, we've talked about, you know, great experiences, but something that we haven't said before of, uh, but you've mentioned the Scarlet Tanager. Is there any other ooh-ah moment of, that we haven't said before? Yeah. In, in, in birding, um, maybe another one would be, um. Well, I'll just pick a, uh, an example. I was back east visiting, visiting some, f uh, some folks uh, 
over at uh, Veritas, uh, and I have some students out there maybe, so hi to all you guys out there, but I was going back for the end of the year kind of get together, mm-hmm. and I, I never get back east. I don't get back there much, and so right. uh, this was maybe five years ago, and I knew I had like one morning where I could get away with this, and so I found a little patch of habitat. I just researched the area, found state parks. Okay, this is a state park. There's a little creek going through here. It's deep, deciduous woods. And I, I knew in my mind, I wanted to see a couple of different birds. I wanted, and I thought this would be good habitat for them. I, right. I thought Kentucky warbler, worm-eating warbler, and uh, oven bird. And I got down there, I just had like two hours. And mm-hmm. so I walked down and, and was just listening the whole time. And at the bottom, I spent some time at the bottom and then an oven bird started singing. And so I, right. I tracked it down and watched, watched the male oven bird in my binoculars for a long time. Um, and then on the way out, right before I left, getting near to where the clearing was, which is kind of surprising, there was a singing worm-eating warbler just skulking around in the, in the understory. And it was so glorious. I'd never seen one singing that closely. Um, and so just those moments when, you know, you're able to, able to kind of target something and sure enough, the good Lord provided uh, for it to wow. be there for me that morning. And so that was just that was just a joy. It was like a little mm-hmm. shot, a little mm-hmm. shot of refreshment in the arm yeah. um, before going about the regular business. Yeah. Yeah. How about you? Oh, let's see. Hopefully I haven't said this before, but um, yeah, on one of our VHS, uh, Virginia Herpetological Society field meetings, it was, I think, 92 or, or something like that. And we were down in southeastern Virginia on Mount Rogers. And oh, yeah. We were a fairly big team and we were going up the road of Mount Rogers and we came to a place where the stream ran under the road, a big culvert. And most of the team went up, upstream from the culvert. And me and this one other guy went downstream and we were flipping rocks in the stream looking for black belly. We found a bunch of black belly salamanders. Hmm. That was fun. But we were really looking f- uh, for the elusive uh, shovel note salamander. Mm. That was sort of the uh, the big bucket list uh, yeah. salamander for the day. Yeah, and we we went downstream pretty far and was only we were only finally finding black bellies. And then we turned around and said, "Well, let's go up." So we got to the road, went we ducked in and walked through the culvert under the road, and then started going upstream through the stream that everybody else had prospected. Yeah. And I came to a one pool and I had a dip net with me and there's a a little waterfall cascading into the pool. I took my dip net and I just thrust it down into the deep deepest part of the pool under the water and I pulled it up and there was a shovel nose. Wow. And it's like Nice. That was fun. That is that And is so great. I hollered and I got a shovel nose, you know, and then I heard all these people crashing through the brush. Uh, <laughs> that's a great, see, it's yeah. a great feeling. And so, yeah, it was really fun and everybody, you know, gathered around and there was a, a photo shoot, you know, with yeah. this. And here I was standing with my dip net as the hero of the day. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. A glorious moment. Absolutely. Of herping. Yes. All right. Good stuff. So well, get get out there, start cultivating a hobby, play around, uh, try something, try something with your kids like birding or, or herping or gardening and uh, just flowers, have fun with it. Trees. Yeah. You and 
you guys that live in the deep south, Ooh, you, you got can such diversity beat down us uh, to the outdoors. And right now, we're everything's pretty uh, cold and snowy, and uh, of course, birds are. You can see all year round, but I have to wait. Owls and woodpeckers. I have to wait until April. Yeah, owls for, are really good this time of year. They're yeah. already nesting. My so my critters, vocal. my critters are cold blooded, so I have to wait until the yeah uh, spring shows up in earnest, and then I can start seeing <laughs> stuff. But you have a fun time birding. <laughs> oh, I will. I'll let you okay, know when I go. Right. Okay. All Great. right, Gordon. Good to see you. Thanks. We'll see you next time. Thank you for listening. And remember, for all your homeschool science needs, go to noeoscience.com. That's N-O-E-O science.com. <laughs>